while the band takes a seat, remember it's also uh, kids camp time, so if you have a young person you want to get into kids camp, go ahead, uh, or leave them here. Have them here, it's great. We're glad they're around. So, All right, we're going to uh, pick up. We're in our uh, epic series, and if you were here last week, uh, hopefully you've been writing your story over the week, and uh, just a little refresher course on last week. I mean, the big points we tried to make was uh, understanding from Scripture that uh, uh, God is writing this epic story and that at the same time we all have our individual lives and, and those lives fit into that epic story, or at least they ought to. They fit into that epic story of, of what God is writing. And because of that, we went through some, some points that hopefully you tried out this week, like uh, understanding that uh, every day is a new page and uh, it's a new opportunity to write a new page in the story. The old is past. Did you write some new pages this week? I hope you did. Made some awesome pages. Um, with that, we also said that uh, you know we're writing this story, and uh, there's a story to tell, and there's going to be challenges in the story, and there's going to be times of rescue in the story, and we need to just embrace whatever activity uh, God is about. And above all, we ended up saying, look, when it comes to our story, we just need to trust God more. Right? And that's kind of where we stopped. We just need to trust God more. So what I want to do is kind of pick up there because the challenge for us is to say, well, okay, you say that, we need to trust God more. But this morning I want to show you and I want to prove to you that you can absolutely do that. That not only is that the key to having an extravagant, incredible life, but God is capable. Why don't you watch the screen for a minute and uh, let's try to expand our view and get a different picture of how awesome, incredible, how big uh, God is. So watch the screen for a minute, will you? Called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called the seas. 
God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Looking back from the uh, moon to the earth, how small do we look? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I mean, we live our days out, and wow, our day is huge, humongous, big, overwhelming. But if we just step back and look from a different view, we see how small we are and how big God is. I mean, when you look from that view, when you think about the galaxies and you, you think about just the immense nature of creation, not just how small our individual episodes may be, but how incredibly big uh, God is. That really is the first point I want you to get this morning, is that you can trust God because God is just that big. God is big enough to accomplish this epic story that God is moving history towards, and God is big enough to accomplish the story that He wants to write into your life. That we can go ahead and just trust God with our lives and with our stories, no matter what we face, because God is just big enough. God's just big enough to accomplish it. The uh, Apollo 8 astronauts were pointing us back to uh, Genesis 1 as a way of trying to to help us, I think, understand this, this bigness of God. You go to Genesis 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was barren with no form of life. It was under roaring ocean covered with darkness, but the Spirit of God was moving over the waters. In the beginning, before time even began, God was. That's how big God is. Before time even got set into motion, God was. That's how big God is. Do you get a sense that Genesis is trying to just set forward from the get-go? Look, the God that you're in relationship with is no small God. This is no lightweight. God is that big. The uh, Apostle John picks that same theme up. If you go into John 1, uh, he picks up those same words of, in the beginning... He says, in the beginning was the one who is called the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was truly God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. And with this Word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the Word. Everything that was created received its life from Him. And His life gave light to absolutely everyone. Before time began, Christ existed. That's how big God is. Before time began, Christ was already in the nature of God. Try to wrap your head around that one for a little while, will you? I mean, just think how immense that is. Before time began, 
God knew that he was going to extend his very nature, the person of Christ, into our world. That he was going to take this infinite bigness of himself and pour that bigness into one person who would walk our earth. See, that's the amazing thing that you've got to grab. You can trust God because God is not only that big, But God, who is that big, is willing and wants to pour himself into the smallest places of your life. This pre-existent Christ, this pre-existent part nature of God was willing in time to get poured into our world. That's the way God is. This big, incredible God is ready to pour himself into your story, into your life, into whatever it is you're experiencing. If you go into 1 Peter... First uh, Peter kind of gives us a glimpse of that. Uh, Peter writes to the Christians, he says, From Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's people who are scattered. What are they? Scattered. Now look how much they're scattered. Get your maps out so you can follow this one, right? Scattered like foreigners in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. What he's trying to say is, they're scattered. Okay? I mean, they're scattered all, they're scattered all over a big region okay that in terms of miles they are scattered it's humongous it's big but it's nothing compared to the bigness of god that he pours into jesus christ look what it says god the father decided to choose you as his people and his spirit has made you holy you are, you have obeyed jesus christ and are sprinkled with his blood You see, God may be humongous and big, but God is ready to pour himself into no matter how scattered your life may be. See, you may not be scattered in terms of, you know, Bithynia and Pontius and Asia and all those places, but your life may be scattered right now. I mean, it may be scattered into struggles and challenges and disappointments and heartaches and all the things of a broken world. You know what? Your God is big enough. Your God is big enough. He is big enough to be able to pour Himself into each one of those circumstances in your life if you trust Him enough to start writing your story. God is big enough. There's a great uh, story that Billy Graham tells, and uh, it uh, is about a woman from uh, Africa who came to know Christ. And uh, when she came to know Christ, you know, she did that. She just humbled herself to Christ and let him started writing, writing her story and her life, you know, and she brought her kids to Christ. And the only problem was her husband. She just couldn't get her husband to, to just come to faith, right? And uh, this really became a problem in their relationship to the point that the husband got so angry with her. He got so discouraged about the whole situation that he decided he needed to find a way to get rid of her. He needed some kind of an excuse, right? Where he could just kind of get rid of her, get rid of the kids, get his, get his life back. Live life the way he wanted. So he devised this great plan. What he decided is he would accuse her of stealing his keys. You know, his keys, they had the keys to the car and the, the key to the bank where he, where he worked. And, you know, he decided to key the house. He decided that he would try to get rid of her by just making this accusation that she was incompetent and she had stolen his keys. So he got up one morning, decided this is the day he was going to execute the plan. He went early in the morning. He went to a bridge, big river, 
dropped the keys right into the river. Then he went off the rest of the day and he went from tavern to tavern to tavern to tavern to tavern working up his courage, right? Just getting up his courage on this thing. Went from tavern to tavern to tavern to tavern. His wife, of course, was at home. That was her role in the family and she was working hard. And so preparing food and everything, she went down to the market. She went to the fish market. And she bought this beautiful, gorgeous, big old fish and she brought it home and she started to prepare the fish. And of course, she cut the fish open, started to gut it. And of course, what do you suppose she found? His keys. She couldn't understand it, but she knew what? God is big enough. So she cleaned off the keys and she put them on the hook. The husband came home, ready to execute his plan. He burst into the door. He had fury in him, you know. He burst in the door and he said, Woman, where are my keys? She went over, took them off the hook, and put them in his hand. Billy Graham says, the man fell to his knees in that moment and received Jesus Christ. Why? Because he found out God was big enough. Huh? He found out that God was bigger than all of his plans, all of his conniving, all of his scheming, and all of his problems. God was big enough that he could now trust him. So you can trust God simply because God is big enough. Number two, you can trust God not only because God is big enough, but you can trust God because God is simply strong enough. He's not only big enough, but he is absolutely strong enough to accomplish what he needs to accomplish in your story and in your life. If you go into uh, Zephaniah, Zephaniah describes uh, the strength of God. He says, The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. What does He win? Victory after victory. Our God doesn't lose. Our God doesn't lose. The God that you trust is a God who is a God of victory. He wins all the time. He does not lose. Our God is a God of victory. He is a God who's not only big enough, but He is strong enough. And notice where Zephaniah says He focuses the, focuses the victory and strength. He wins victory after victory, and is always where? With you. He celebrates and He sings because of you. And He will refresh your life with His love. You see, the God that we serve is a God who doesn't get afraid. He is a God who doesn't shrink backwards. He is a God who is ready to face any circumstance. He is a God who is not only big enough, He is a God who is also strong enough to do whatever needs to happen in your life. If you go into Exodus 15, the people of God always reminded themselves of the story of God's strength when uh, the people of God were uh, freed from Pharaoh. They tell the story over and over again, and we need to hear the story over and over again too because it reminds us the God that we serve is a God of victory. He's strong enough. Exodus 15, Our Lord, no other God compares with you, majestic and holy, fearsome and glorious, miracle worker. When you signaled with your right hand, your enemies were swallowed deep into the earth. The people you rescued were led by your powerful love to your holy place. How strong is our God? 
You see, Pharaoh in that day was the strongest, most powerful political person on the face of the earth, and God swallowed him up with a river. The God that you serve is not only big enough, he is strong enough. And you say, well, wait a minute, that's all Old Testament stuff. That's just God showing his power way back when. You see, the Apostle Paul understood that God shows his power not just way back when, but he shows his power now in the lives of his people. If you go into Romans 4, Romans 4 says, The scriptures say that Abraham would become the ancestor of many nations. This promise was made to Abraham because he had faith in God. Now notice the next one. Who raises the dead to life and creates new things. You know what's cool about that last phrase? The tense. You go back to the Greek, you look at the tense it was written in. The tense of that last phrase, who raises the dead to life and creates new things, is present, active tense. What did I just say? It is present and it is active. Did you hear that? It's not a yesterday tense. It's not a, a tense that just talks about what God did sometime long ago. It is a present, active tense. It says that this God who is big enough and strong enough is ready to work in the presence, in whatever you're facing right now. And He is ready to be active in whatever the challenge is. This is the amazing thing. This God who is big enough and strong enough is ready to be involved in each of our stories, in each of our lives. Why? Because our God is a God of relationship. It is his nature to be in relationship. Let me show it to you. If you go into Genesis, Genesis 1, where we looked at uh, the Apollo 8 astronauts took us, you follow that along when it gets to creating human beings. It says in uh, verse 26, these words, God said, now we will make humans and they will be like us. All right, stop for a minute. Who's talking? God is, right? Did you notice the words in the, in, in the tense of what he used there? He said, we will make man like us. What's that all about? I mean, God is talking, right? I mean, when you talk about yourself, how do you talk about yourself? You say, I will. You don't say, we will, right? He's using a plural kind of understanding, right? He's saying, well, we're going to do this and, and it's going to be us. How's that? He's showing us his own nature. God's own nature is a nature of relationship. It is the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It is the relationship of that incredible divine trinity. You see, God by his nature is a God of relationship. And because he's a God of relationship in his own person, boy, I am crackling like crazy today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fix that, will you? Um, because God in His nature is relationship, His nature desires relationship with you. See how that works? That's an emphasis point right there. That God in His nature is desiring that relationship uh, with you. The God of relationship in His person is a God who's driven to relationship. He wants to write your story. He does. He wants to write on your page. He wants to write your tomorrows. 
God is a God of relationship who wants to get engaged into your world, into whatever it is that you're experiencing. That's the way God is. He is simply not only strong enough and big enough, but He is also a God of relationship. And He hears us out of our relationships. The uh, history books tell us that uh, back in 1876, was anybody around then? I didn't think so. You're all younger than that, right? Yeah. Back in 1876 in Minnesota, they had a problem with uh, grasshoppers. And the grasshoppers came in and they devoured all of the farmer's wheat, just took it right down to the nub. And the farmers were really in problem. The whole state was suffering because of that. And so when next spring came in 1877, they were really fearful and discouraged that these grasshoppers would once again emerge and, you know, wipe out the crops again. So the governor, uh, Governor John S. Pillsbury, on April 26th, proclaimed that to be a day of prayer and fasting in the state of Minnesota. What were the people supposed to do? Engage in relationship with God, right? And invite God into the story of their experience out of that relationship. So April 26th, Minnesota shut down. It was just a quiet, still day when everybody was in prayer and they were in fasting over this whole grasshopper experience. The very next day, the very next day, amazing things started happening. All of a sudden, it's April 26th. Remember, a little further north than we are, so it's still cold cold up there, right? Their normal temperature would be still cold. The next day, they had a heat wave, absolute heat wave. It was like the middle of summer. And that heat wave lasted for three days. And, of course, when the heat went up, what do you suppose happened with the grasshoppers? The larvae started to emerge. For three days, the grasshoppers, all the, gra- the larvae started to emerge. After three days, the temperature dropped back and they had a frost that night. What do you suppose happened to the grasshopper? History. Our God is big enough. Our God is strong enough. And our God desires to be in relationship if we just ask Him. If we just trust Him enough to open up the page and say, Lord, it's not about me. My story is not about me. It is all about you writing into my life. If you go to uh, Ephesians 3, Paul tries to tell us how capable God is to write our stories. He says in Ephesians 3, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to Him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever! Exclamation point. Uh, Amen. Now Paul does a really neat thing in that verse. When he says, Now to all glory to God who is able. You can't see it in the English, but you go back to the original text in the Greek. And he's doing an amazing thing with words. He is taking words and just kind of pressing them together because he's trying to describe how capable and competent God is to do amazing things. And he can't find one word to describe it. So what he does is he creates, like, new words. He says, like, God is extravagantly extravagant. God is incredibly incredible. 
You see what he's doing? He's just jamming words on top of words to try to capture how awesome God is. So God is fantastically fantastic. God is amazingly amazing. God is infinitely... He just keeps... 